Welcome to This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for over 24 years. By day, I'm a process analyst in the power industry, and by night, I'm a writer, podcast host, and accountability coach. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. I'm Jesse Tuggy, and I've had type 1 diabetes for about eight years now. I love hiking and painting, and I'm looking forward to working as an engineer after college. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my future and learn everything I can about it. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, bring on cool people with connections to type 1, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. All right. Welcome to episode 35 of This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today, we're giving you guys a rundown on how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting us as diabetics and also in general. This is what we know as of now. Jesse's school is closed down. My office is, at the time of this recording, complying with the Washington state order to stay home. All non-essential workers are working from home. You might have noticed that we didn't really talk about this in episode 33 or 34, but we mentioned it in episode 32 because we recorded some things out of order. We have no frame of reference for this. None of us have experienced a pandemic like this before, so we're all in what Brené Brown calls the tough first time, though she uses stronger language than tough for all her adult listeners. We're all dealing with uncertainty, lack of knowledge, and concern for our lives and our livelihoods. And just to keep some bit of positivity in here, what is our win of the week, Jesse? All right. With school being closed down, I haven't really been on a great blood sugar checking schedule lately because everything has been so crazy and so out of control. I figured this would be something good to work on while I'm on break and presented me with new opportunities. So I'm officially here to report. I'm on a clear and confirmed schedule for when I should be and when I will be testing my blood sugar, which is great because it's once in the morning, once in the mid-morning, before lunch, mid-afternoon, and then after school, as I say in air quotes, because there's really no after school at the moment, and then before dinner and before I go to bed. Now, I'm not really on my CGM at the moment because it's on the charger, so the last couple of days have been kind of interesting. So how long does it have to stay on the charger that you have to use your meter for a while? Only three hours, but I like to let it charge overnight and just throughout the day if I really am not using it, like I'm not in desperate need to put it on. I'm not going to worry about it. And so I'm just letting the old site heal up a little bit and then I'll get it put back on when I get more supplies in and when it's a little healed up. So probably tomorrow I'll put it back on. Do you rotate your sites for CGM? For CGM you can. I haven't ventured outside of putting it on my stomach just because I reserve my stomach for my CGM. Where my patch I put on either or I put on my arms instead. Okay. All right. Thank you for that win. My fail this week is not having made a few calls to consolidate how I get my supplies. So right now I get my pump supplies from Edge Park and my sensor supplies from Byram. And both of these are third-party distributors, but I keep having problems with Edge Park. I haven't done my part to switch everything to Byram and that's on me. They say not to keep all your eggs in one basket, but having three different distributors, if you count the one that sends me my insulin, then it just adds to the frustration when something goes wrong. And case in point today, my prescription service won't fill my ketone strips. So that's fun. Jesse, what is your hack this week? 
So with the COVID going around right now, I figured it would be a good idea to post this little tidbit of information. So if you use hand sanitizer or alcohol wipes before you test your blood sugar, please wait for the sanitizer or the alcohol to dry. Because if you don't, it'll give you false readings. For instance, one time I tested and the alcohol was still damp on my hands and my blood sugar read 50 points higher than what it actually was. So I retested 15 minutes later, re-sanitized, rewashed my hands, and I was good to go. That's interesting. I've never heard of sanitizer making your number look higher than it actually is. It's because of like the sugar in the alcohol that does it, like the rubbing alcohol, like the, huh. that type of stuff. So I don't know. It could just be me, but it, it's always done it. So yeah. Interesting. I've never heard that before. So that's a good hack. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah. So let's let's get into the episode and let's just start off. We should probably just discuss the virus. So this is all free form. None of this is scripted right now. The coronavirus is a novel coronavirus, so we've never seen this before. The world, right. nobody has immunity, as, we, as far as we know. I, I keep hearing people say that diabetics are more at risk, and we'll cover that later. Mm-hmm. And I kind of make a face whenever I hear that. Really? How come? Well, it's, it's because they don't separate out for age and how well you're controlled or what type, and so they're just all lumping it under diabetes. That's true. I can see how it can get confusing. But I think anyone with diabetes, whether type 2, type 1, whether age, it still, you know, adds something to be a little bit concerned about. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm like, sequestered in my house. So <laughs> <laughs> we're not leaving for as long as we can. And mm-hmm. I hope you're doing the same thing, except you're considered essential for your work until you get your permit. So Yeah, I'm, I'm essential. So I, I still have to go to work and So my job provides like horse feed and animal feed and medications for certain animals. So we're considered an essential business because without some of the services that we provide, a lot of animals could starve or die because they don't get the stuff that they need, just like people. Like if you don't get your prescription of insulin, then you could die. If some of these horses don't get like dewormer or there's certain like medicated feed, then they'll die too. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny how many of, or what the list of essential businesses included, like liquor stores. Those are essential. Oh, really? I haven't no. seen the list yet. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, the, I think they released it on King 5 or Coma 4, just uh, whatever list of essential businesses in Jay Inslee's announcement from Monday night. Oh, I'll have to go look at that. That's funny. Yeah. And a lot of that list is really ambiguous. It's vague. So he, they say it's included, but not limited to which means it's kind of up for interpretation. Is your business essential? And that causes confusion. Right. But at the same time, he did specifically call out like hair salons, nail salons, tattoo, um, tattoo parlors. Tattoo those, parlors can't stay definitely open. a big one. Which sucks so for me because I want to get my medical alert tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's not really much to do right now, actually. So it's interesting. Yeah, I have a couple coworkers who are like, what do I do with with all this extra time? I'm like, well, personal projects? Yeah, like I'm working on getting better at drawing, like taking art classes online. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so that's pretty fun. I'm I'm getting there. But yeah, a lot of this, a lot of what my friends and I are doing is we're rearranging our rooms, we're taking on personal projects like learning new skills. I told myself I was going to learn some sign language over this, you know, corona break. I know a friend of mine just 
is remodeling her room completely because she needs something to do and she's been wanting to do it for a long time. And a lot of kids my age, it's really interesting because a lot of millennials, they were traveling before everything got, you know, blocked out and they were taking advantage of like the cheap travel. My generation is taking advantage of the time that we have to heal mentally, which is, it's very interesting to see the different generations and what they're doing. Like my mom is taking the time to clean the house and worry about outside factors where my brother and I were more of like, okay, what are we going to do for ourselves? So it's really interesting how this is going. I've also seen groups of teenagers at our local park. And that was not helping with the, you know, the need for the stay at home order because people were ignoring the social distancing rule. Right. And, you know, I think the ignoring of the social distancing is probably going to get continued through a lot of teenagers and stuff. Maybe not as prominent and as strongly as it was, but I think it's still going to be there, you know, because like humans are very social creatures. That's oh, yeah. the way we're, you know, designed. So without being around other people besides your family, there's going to be a little cabin mental. Fever. Yeah. That's the nice way of putting it. Yeah. All right. So let's kind of move into our more prepared stuff. Well, as of this recording on March 25th, 2020, Jesse's school is closed until April 24th and they might cancel school for the rest of the school year. My workplace is all remote except for essential personnel. Washington's governor has issued a stay-at-home order. He also ordered that all restaurants, retail stores, bars, and non-essential businesses close. That order was originally through March 31st, but superseded by the stay-at-home order. President Trump has advised not meeting in groups of over 10 people, and we're staying inside or away from people as much as possible. And like Jesse and I were talking about, this is called social distancing, a term that almost everyone has heard and knows about now. And it's actually a proven response to pandemics that helps slow the bell curve of infection. You might have heard that we need to flatten the curve. And that means we need to socially distance so that we can flatten the curve of infection so that we don't go above the hospital bed capacity, which we kind of already have. Back during the 1918 Spanish flu, which my great-grandmother survived, interestingly enough, in St. Louis, Missouri, they imposed mandatory social distancing that helped save a lot of people's lives in contrast to a parade up in Philadelphia that ended up killing thousands of people. While type 1 diabetics are immunocompromised, JDRF has reported that we're not more at risk of getting COVID-19. The CDC, WHO, and American Diabetes Association have all reported that those with diabetes are considered more at risk, but they lumped everyone together. I listened to a JDRF live stream on Facebook, which we'll link to in the show notes, where the host said that when you separate out for type 1, and again for age, for level of control, and again, for people without other conditions, the extra risk is minimal, if not zero. Because it's a novel coronavirus, that means nobody, as far as we know, is immune, and everyone is at risk. While young, well-controlled type 1 diabetics are supposedly not more at risk of getting it, we are more at risk of developing complications and not fighting it off as well as otherwise healthy adults. This is because having high blood sugars reduces our immune response and makes it more likely we'll have difficulty fighting off sickness. I'm keeping my distance from people most of the time, actually all the time now. My church has suspended services for the time being. My office is closed and I'm working from home for the foreseeable future. I'm so glad I bought work from home equipment early enough to get it before the hammer fell because it's coming. According to a Medium article on COVID-19, which we'll link to in the show notes, businesses with more than 100 employees in Washington should have closed down and mandated work from home as soon as the first case was reported. 
just because of the lag between exposure and diagnosis. So the number of true cases right now is actually far higher than our confirmed cases. I was probably out and about a lot longer than I should have been just because of my type 1. This pandemic has affected my plans just along with everyone else's. I'm staying inside as much as possible except to go on a walk around the park near a house because if I don't, I'll go insane. I'm an introvert, so I naturally like to keep to myself, but I also find that my mental and emotional health are a lot better when I go into the office every day, interact with my coworkers, and spend time talking to the people I care about. The social distancing stuff is more damaging to my mental health than it is for my physical health. I'm probably actually getting more exercise by staying home. I don't know if I'll get the virus, but I think if I did, I'd maybe be more wrecked by the deprivation of being with my team than by the virus itself. What's interesting is that this is an opportunity to realize that even though we're all social distancing, as a community, we're probably closer than ever. The connections we have with people have never relied on being in close proximity to them. I'm incredibly connected to the people I've never met in person, but I've met them online and talked to them through video chat. I've noticed that I actually feel more connected to my work team now than I did when I go into the office. And part of that is because our team meeting via Microsoft Teams, we have our videos turned on. Well, half of us have our videos turned on. Of course, I still miss the real physical interaction with my team day to day, but I know this is just temporary. Our brains are trained to look for danger. I know I feel worse after looking at the latest COVID-19 infection and death statistics, which is obvious, and yet I still feel compelled to check them every day as if looking at the numbers will help my mental health in the long run. It doesn't. All it does is exacerbate the unnecessary worry that we're all going to die. My coach shared something that has really helped me with this. She says, we're all in a giant haunted house together. Now, I absolutely loathe haunted houses, and so does my coach, but going through a haunted house with friends is infinitely better than going through it alone or with strangers. We'll get through it. In this shared experience of a pandemic, something none of us have ever experienced before, we're all going to come out the other side stronger and more connected than before the virus left China to wreak havoc on the world. We're not all going to die. If you're still in the grips of fear right now, please go back and listen to episode 32, which was our interview with Pastor Seth Bodie. We're not in control of the world right now. Actually, we never were. But God is. He always has been. And the only things we can do about what's going on is how we react to it. I reordered diabetes supplies. I have my work from home equipment. I'm avoiding people to mitigate the risk that I'll get the virus and hopefully not become a burden on the already taxed hospital network that was never prepared to deal with this in the first place. I canceled my chiropractor and massage appointments. I'm making sure that I'm doing my self-coaching scholars work every day and getting coached. I'm taking care of me, and that's the most important thing we can do right now. Take care of ourselves, not just for us, but also to protect those who are more vulnerable. Although we do have to take care of ourselves, we also have to realize that we cannot stop living our lives. Being sticking to a routine, limiting the cups of coffee and carb intake, getting the right amount of exercise, and getting the interactions with other people. For me, this means only having a cup of coffee when I could easily just make three or four just because I'm bored and just because I have the necessary means to. And I haven't been doing so great on my carb limitation, but to be honest, I'm sacrificing that because it's not my biggest concern right now. Yes, people have died from this virus and many more have gotten sick, but that does not mean, and I repeat, that does not mean you will get the virus or you will die because of this virus either. And with everything going on, it is very easy to feel out of control. And this is okay and it's perfectly normal to feel like everything is not the way it should be, because it isn't. 
It is important to follow the guidelines that our state and federal government have set forth for us, whether that means staying inside or just avoiding large crowds, depending on where you live in the country. But it is important to listen to what they are saying because they're the ones who are doing the research and following the data and trying to help us find a cure. Also, one other thing, avoid panicking or overhearing something or a rumor about the virus on social media, meaning fact check. Go to the CDC's website and see what they are saying and the facts that they are presenting. They are a credible source and they are taking all of the information firsthand and posting what they can. Trust what your family and friends are saying, but also verify the facts that they are presenting to you. You can drive yourself crazy with listening to everyone and it is important to limit your intake. Even CNN and NBC are saying that it's good to limit your daily news intake to about an hour a day. Any more than that and you can drive yourself crazy or even get overwhelmed or stressed out and that's not good for this corona break. I mean, I get stressed out and overwhelmed just looking at five minutes of news. I don't know how people are going to survive with an hour. I know some people who listen to it all day and just for background noise, right? Like some people listen to music, some people will listen to Netflix, they listen to the news, and then I get texts from them saying they're going crazy and they think the world's going to end. Yeah, that's, that's actually an interesting point. So the, the media is blowing this up. Yes. Do, you re- do you remember there being this much media coverage for H1N1, the swine flu? I remember it being a big deal. I was like in first or second grade when swine flu kind of broke out and really started. And I really don't remember too much because I was six and all I remember was being six and cutting up things in first grade. (laughs) So I'm not saying that H1N1 or the swine flu was worse than coronavirus, but it infected way more people. It killed way more people, uh, I think through the whole run, not just the beginning part, Mm -hmm. but we didn't have lockdowns like this. We didn't have social oh, no. distancing. Nothing like that was happening. Right, of so course. Media, no, this is new. I personally think that the media is is hyping a lot of it up. It is still incredibly serious, but the media is hyping it up so they can drive their viewership numbers up. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I, when I first heard about Corona, I really didn't take it seriously, to be perfectly frank. Me neither. Like, it was just, it was in China, and then it was here, and I was like, okay, who cares? you know, old people, they're going to get sick, just like they do in the flu. You know, people pass away because of the flu. So I really didn't think that much of a big deal about it until it started showing up, like, on Instagram, on Snapchat, getting live updates on CNN in the mornings when my teachers would put it on, you know. And then it shows up in your communities, and then you know people, and... Yeah, my mom knows a coworker whose grandmother actually passed away because of COVID-19. So that's interesting and I'm, I'm really sorry that she did but then again there are worse diseases that could you know come here and you know hurt us even more so I don't I don't know where it's all gonna go but I do think the media is playing a big part into it oh yeah definitely and the media is driving that thought that the current state of the world is scary and disappointing and you know the world is kind of scary and disappointing anyway but now even more but I'm pretty sure at this point that our trip to Scotland probably won't happen this year, which is a bummer. I got an email from West Coast Railway, which, is, which uh, runs the Harry Potter train, that their operations are resuming after we're scheduled to be on a plane back home. I can only hope that our entire trip isn't totally canceled, but at the same time, the world is basically shutting down. 
businesses are losing a lot of money, people are losing their jobs, and it's understandable that things will not go according to the plans we have. Humans make plans, and the coronavirus laughs. And it, it's funny that you said that, that everything is not the way it should be, because it isn't. And I think it's kind of funny that you said that, because I think that this was always going to happen this way. And it's, a, it's an interesting thought to think that all along, we were going to have to deal with the novel coronavirus during March and April 2020, if not longer, and nobody knew about it. We all made plans that were never going to happen the way we wanted them to, because this was always going to happen instead. We all thought things that weren't true right up until the reality of COVID-19 sank in. We were probably never going to go to Scotland this year. Maybe our trip was always going to be next year. I was always going to have to start working from home on March 18th. The beauty of this thought is that it lets me let go of the expectation and the disappointment that it's not going how I wanted it to. I'm arguing with reality whenever I do that. This is a useful thought for me, and I encourage you to take it for yourself if you do find it useful. I saw a really lovely post on Facebook from Ian McKellen, who played Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings movies. There's a scene in The Fellowship of the Ring when Frodo tells Gandalf, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. And Gandalf replies, so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. And we'll link to the clip in the show notes. It's a really beautiful two minutes of cinematic history, and it applies perfectly to our global situation right now. So I want to ask you this. What are you doing with the time given to you? We're all filled with nervous energy right now. As diabetics, that stresses our already stressed immune systems, and we need to channel that energy into something productive. I want to offer that this is the perfect time to hunker down and focus on some goals that you didn't think you had the time for before. Like Jesse and I were talking about, she and her friends are making time to figure out what to do for themselves. This is the best time in the world to make a commitment to yourself to change your life, one decision at a time. And I want to offer that if you need help along the way, that I could be your coach for it. If you're interested in doubling down on yourself but need the accountability to make it happen and talk through the things that worry you, please sign up for a free 20-minute coaching session by visiting inspiredforward.com slash coaching. Once again, that's inspiredforward.com slash coaching. With all of this COVID-19 stuff and quarantine, please take the time out of your day to talk to your friends via Skype, FaceTime, Zoom, texting, Instagram, Snapchat, Google Docs, email, literally anything. Trust me, they miss you as much as you miss them. It's just the first step is to reach out. Our Diabetes Spotlight this week is on Levi Davenport, an up-and-coming YouTuber whose channel is called Between Two Lines. He makes some pretty funny videos about life with type 1, including a two-parter, actually now it's a three-parter, on if your low blood sugar could talk, the first of which went viral, and I've, I've even shared it to the Facebook page for This Is Type 1. I think I've shared all three of them. On St. Patrick's Day, Levi released a video about what type 1 diabetics should focus on in a panic about COVID-19. It's a really informative video, and the advice is pretty simple take care of your diabetes. Besides all the hygiene measures, that's the best thing we can do to help keep ourselves and others safe. We don't want to need to go to the hospital for diabetes-related problems and face a shortage of hospital beds because they're all filled with coronavirus patients. Levi was recently a guest on the Diabetes Daily Grind podcast, and we're hoping to get him on as a guest to the show soon. We'll link to Levi's channel in the show notes, but you can also find it by searching YouTube for Between Two Lines. Jesse, what's our question for the audience this week? All right, our lovely question for you, our lovely audience, is how is COVID-19 affecting you and your life as a type 1 diabetic? What are you doing to keep yourself sane, safe, and healthy during this crazy time? That's it for this episode of This is Type 1. 
You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 35. That's the number 35. And if you have an idea for an upcoming episode, please leave us a comment or send an email. You can get straight to our podcast page by going to thisistype1.com. This is the perfect time to learn how to manage your mind. If you're stressed, burned out, overwhelmed, and want some help getting back on track and honoring your commitments to yourself, sign up for a free session on accountability coaching at inspiredforward.com coaching. Our music is by Joseph McDade, and our audio wizard is my husband, Tim. I'm on all social media as at inspiredforward, and our email is colleen at inspiredforward.com. And I'm on Instagram as at JJ underscore Crystal K-A-T. Please feel free to send me questions or comments you have about type 1 diabetes for the show. Also, with COVID-19 going around right now, I am perfectly free to answer any and all questions you guys got. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends, family, subscribe wherever you listen, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts since that helps other people find us. Be sure to listen in next week when we talk with Lonnie Stormo, the CEO and co-founder of Pops Diabetes Care, a digital diabetes startup focused on putting simple technology in people's hands. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.